Um, let's just pray and then we'll get started. Father God, um, thank you for this time that we can meet together, even though we're online, Lord. Uh, I just pray that we engage with your word and that we learn from it and that we learn from each other, Lord, and you would be in our midst tonight. In your name, amen. Okay, well, today's topic is worship. And I came across it because I love Romans. I was reading Romans. And then I came across Romans 12.1. And we'll kind of like unpack it a little bit and go into other um, parts of the scripture that kind of reinforce the notion that Paul's talking about. Okay. So there are three main points. It's just going to be a short devotion that I want to discuss today. And we'll have some time for discussion afterwards. I wrote questions. So let's begin by tackling Romans 12.1. Okay. So Paul's writing. And this was what he says at the start of Romans. This is after he's been talking about, you know, mercy and how the cross has changed everything. But we'll get into Romans 12.1. So he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, remember, this is, this is Romans chapter 12. And Paul's just spent 11 chapters. He's really... Um, putting the case forward that the cross and the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. It should change the way we live. It should change the way that we view ourselves and view uh, God, essentially. And he reminds us that um, we do this or we submit ourselves because of the mercy that God has shown us. And it's described in the, the first 11 chapters and that we're only able to offer ourselves as or in this process of worship um, to God as he works his mercy in us. So it's a very interesting um, proposition to, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Okay. When we actually recognize what God has done for us, which is what Paul's been saying in the first 11 chapters, through his son, Jesus Christ, the only response is really to give ourselves completely to him in submission when we actually truly sit back and realize the extent of his love and his mercy and grace. And we saw it firsthand on the cross. Jesus is the grace giver. He's the one who extends the mercy to us. Um, the New King James Version says that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And that was really interesting. I was like, oh, reasonable service. So I had a quick look. And in the ancient Greek, the word here is actually logikos. And that's where we get the word logical from. Um, it's almost a natural, logical response um, to such an act of love and mercy that we submit ourselves fully. It's logical. It makes sense that in light of such devotion and mercy, we submit ourselves as a living sacrifice. Okay. So we know that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We know that it's been um, exposited and delineated in the scriptures. And that despite this, while we were sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Um, he took our place, he bore our sin, and now there's no condemnation. That is the act of really ultimate grace and mercy. It is quite literally the perfect gift. <clears throat> now, when we reflect on this, it should be more than enough motivation for us to give our whole lives to God. Where would we be? without God's love and forgiveness? Where would we be without God's presence in our lives? And what kind of hope would we have without it? God's very breath sustains us. I think that you could very much say that 
such a response as giving ourselves fully to him in an act of worship is indeed reasonable. Okay? So my first point there is that <clears throat> worship is, in essence, the submission of self to God and the acknowledgement of who he is and what he's done for us. And secondly, that our worship, devotion, and submission to God is actually a natural and logical response to the immense and ultimate love, grace, and mercy that is shown us. Okay, so that's just in that first uh, Romans 12 verses 1. Okay, so now I have a third point that I really want to make, that I want to make in this, this latter portion of what I'm saying today. Okay, so we know why we worship in response to God's grace, God's goodness, but what even is worship? Like, what does that encapsulate? And how should we worship? Because these are very important questions. Okay, so if, if worshiping is a natural response to God's goodness, okay, well, how do we do it? And when should we worship and, and what are the logistics? Okay. So offering ourselves to God is not something, this is one of the key points that uh, I want to get across, is that offering ourselves to God is not something that should be contained to a Sunday morning or a Friday night or a wedding where you heard shady singing and you thought, wow, that's so nice. Um, a living sacrifice is a sacrifice that is alive and interacting with the world around us. It's brought before God. And this means that worship occurs not just in the corners of our lives that we dedicate to church time, but in our whole world. That's really the main point that I want to get across here. This means that worship moves beyond the dimension of listening to oceans at 10 p.m. at night and feeling so in awe of God, which is great, but it moves to all the hours of our lives. It moves away from one activity of coming to worship to all of our activities each relationship, um, each opportunity, each task, each problem, each success, and each failure. It moves into all of these aspects of our life. You see, worship is so much more than a one-way street. Worship is an act of devotion, and that extends to how we live each aspect of our life. This means that how we interact with others is an extension of our worship of God. And we see this very same notion in the words of Jesus. And I'm just going to read uh, a section from Matthew 25. It's Matthew 25, starting from verse 34. This is the ESV. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothed you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Very powerful message Jesus is getting across them. And we see this image of true worship that goes beyond self and it focuses on God for who he is, his innate goodness and extending that to those around us. So, and Paul, Paul also reiterates this notion in Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human master, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward the key point. It is the Lord Christ who are serving. 
So we see here that true worship is a personal linking of faith and work. It's the offering of everyday life to God. Like we said earlier, it's not just uh, diminishing worship to a certain portion of our life or a certain time, but rather it's a uh, it's a li- it's like we live out this process as a living sacrifice. And we honor God through what we do in all aspects of our life. Um, it isn't something that takes place only in the church. So real worship sees the whole world as a temple. It's a temple of the living God and every common deed is an act of worship, which is kind of bizarre. But once we truly appreciate that, it kind of, it should, it should really change the way we live. So if every common deed is an act of worship, and how you interact with the cashier at Coles when they've made a mistake scanning matters. How you speak with your group that's struggling to keep up in your group assignments is important to God. How you react to your boss's, boss's criticism at work or the level of respect and care you give to the patient that walks into your office. All of these are aspects of our lives where we worship God, where we interact with others and extend the love and adoration for him to those around us and those placed in our lives. Real worship is the offering of everyday life to God. It's not a quarter of something. It's not one of seven days or six of seven days, but it's actually every waking moment of our life. I saw this and I really liked it, so I'm going to say it. Someone wrote it. They said that a person may say, I am going to church to worship God, but he or she should also be able to say, I'm going to the office the school, the park, the garden, the sports field, or the hospital to worship God. And I think that really encapsulates what I'm trying to get across with this third point. So here, my third and final point tonight is that our true and proper worship is awe and devotion directed at God for what he's done. And in that same breath, extending that love to those around us in all aspects of our life. Awesome. So that's just what I want to share today. And three main points. So the first two, again, um, the first was that worship is, in essence, the submission of self to God and the acknowledgement of who he is and what he's done for us. And the second that is, is that it's perfectly reasonable and logical that such an act of submission be done in response to such ultimate and beautiful, immense mercy and grace. I think it's, it's perfectly logical. And, and Paul really delineates that in Romans. 100% recommend Romans 1 to 11 and then reading into 12 and beyond. And then the final point that we, we just finished off was that a true and proper worship is awe and devotion. They get dedicated to God and extended to those around us in all aspects of our life.